Well, over the next eight weeks, we're going to look at stories that came in the wake of the resurrection as we ask, what difference should the power of the risen Christ have in our lives? What difference does he make? And, and those 40 days come from a passage in Acts chapter 1 where it says, after his suffering, Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, that he had indeed come back from the dead. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So something happened. In those 40 days, it changed the course of history. Something happened that launched a worldwide movement that we are a part of today. How do we understand those stories and what can they mean for our lives? So before we get to a text today, I do have a question. Does anyone think they can finish this before I'm done preaching? I'm getting, I'm getting someone up here. No, not interested? Anybody? Any takers? All right, if you're, if you're willing, come, come get it, and we'll see. Um, interested? No, not interested? No, I had to take care of the 9 o'clock service, not this service? Come on. All right, it'll sit here if you change your mind. Todd? <laughs> Look at this. Everyone give Todd, Todd a hand. Look. A new member and an expert at Rubik's Cube. It's amazing. Um, okay. The rest of you, don't watch him. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Uh, you know, a Rubik's Cube is something that is disordered. It needs to be rearranged so that it's right. And we look at our lives, we imagine that our lives can be disordered and need to be rearranged. They need to be put right. And so what we see is that the resurrected Christ has the power to put our lives back together. So in our story today, we're gonna to see that a couple of Jesus' disciples find themselves learning that Jesus is indeed the only one who can put the world and their lives back together. So we're in Luke chapter 24, we're in verse 13. It says, now that same day, two of them, two of the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So pause there. So Jesus comes, it's the same day as the resurrection. They're out walking to Emmaus. Jesus comes and he walks beside them and they do not recognize who he is. But then Jesus asked them, hey, what are you guys talking about? And so then pick back up in verse 19. They're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, the chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But listen to this. But we had hoped that he was going to be the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came back and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So stop right there. So it is the same day as the resurrection, and they find themselves seven miles from Jerusalem. Seven miles. That's a long way to walk, by the way. Seven miles. One of our staff suggested we call this series, Where You Going, Jesus? <laughs> and it's, it's great, but it's, you know, what's fascinating is their world has been turned upside down. You can hear it in their conversation. The death of Jesus has turned their world upside down. And that very same day, what do we see? Jesus coming after them. Jesus comes after them. Their world has been turned upside down. You hear it in what they say, right? We had hoped. All of our hopes were pinned on Jesus, and it feels to them like a failure. And then when, when the, the women of the group come and say, no, he's, the tomb is empty, he's alive, they're doubtful. They can't imagine. They cannot, in their pain, they cannot imagine an empty tomb and a resurrected Christ. And then Jesus walks with them and they don't, in their trauma, they can't even see him. They can't even recognize him, that they, something has fallen apart. Their world has collapsed. It's disordered and disorganized. Their worlds have been turned upside down. And I know many of us, um, whether it's now or it's been ongoing for, for months or maybe years, that our worlds might feel turned upside down. That our worlds might feel like they've been turned upside down and we are out of control. That things have not gone as we had hoped. That we are skeptical about a different future, just like they were skeptical about a resurrection. That we might find ourselves with our world turned upside down and we need someone who has the power to put our lives back together. So pick back up in our story in verse 27. So beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village, as they approached Emmaus to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Where are you going, Jesus? They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Let's stop there. There's a show that's been running on television for about a decade now called Undercover Boss. And it is, um, well, it's, it's, it's what it sounds like. The boss goes undercover. And uh, so what you have is this high-level executive from some major corporation will go and work as an entry-level worker. And so, you know, like the CEO of Subway will be cutting up the bread alongside the other workers in a local Subway restaurant. And then at the end of the show, there's this, you know, big reveal Right, big reveal. Oh no, it's not. It's not really Dave, the new employee. It's it's Bob, the CEO. Right, and so what happens in our story is there's this big reveal. They don't recognize Jesus because he's out of context. The same reason that that subway worker has no idea this person's the CEO because why why would he think that? It's just a random person that's wearing the the green visor beside me. 
The same way Jesus shows up and he's out of context. In fact, they can't imagine a world where he is not in the grave dead, right? So they had no reason to go, well, that's Jesus, obviously. So he's out of context and then it's revealed this is actually the resurrected Christ. And it's revealed two ways in our story and it's what I wanna camp out on, two ways. The first is it's revealed in scripture, Jesus reveals himself in scripture, and that might seem incredibly elemental to those of us who've been in church for a long time, but don't write it off. Jesus reveals himself to us in scripture. When he wants to put our world back together, when he wants to put our lives back together, Jesus uses scripture. Because the word reveals who Jesus is. And it reveals what he's done for us and the power that it has to transform our lives. It's like being lost and disoriented the way these disciples are lost and disoriented and being handed a map to get back on track, right? To put the world back together, to find their way, to be reoriented and to be put back together. Scripture reveals Jesus to us and how he wants to put our lives back together. So I hope, I hope that you have a regular practice of reading scripture in your life. And um, for me, over the last few years, I've been using um, the Bible app on my phone. Really simple, it's a Bible app, and it just has regular reading patterns, whether it's the Bible in a year, the Bible, uh, the New Testament in a year. Right now I'm doing one that's uh, the, the chronological New Testament. And, um, and true confession, I, I have missed a day or two here and there. And so I just want to give you grace. If you miss a day or two, it's fine. Just keep going. If you don't have a regular practice of reading scripture after the service, uh, grab one of these on the way out. This is just a little bookmark that has the text we'll be using in this series over the next eight weeks. Maybe a good way to start seeing Christ revealed in scripture is just reading these texts and following along over the next few weeks. So grab one of these uh, on the way out. Um, but this past week, you know, Easter was on Sunday, and then Monday morning, I got my little New Testament chronological reading, and it was in 1 Corinthians 15. And if you've not read 1 Corinthians 15, it's a beautiful passage about the power of the resurrection. And so there was something just beautiful about having just lived through that Sunday, that Easter Sunday talking about resurrection and then being reminded of its power. It's like the resurrected Christ shed new light on the meaning of scripture. And that's true. Like Christ is revealed to us. The resurrected Christ is revealed to us in his word. When Jesus wants to put the world back together, he uses scripture. But we, just, we don't just stop there. We don't just stop. He uses something else. So I said he revealed the, the life, uh, he revealed himself in two ways. He revealed himself in scripture and then something else happens. But I need the Rubik's Cube. Have you finished it? You're very close? You're very close. Okay, I'll get the Rubik's Cube in a minute. Now, to do a Rubik's Cube, you don't just need to know what to do. You don't need to just be told, here's how you solve a Rubik's Cube. Because believe me, people have told me how to solve a Rubik's Cube and I cannot solve a Rubik's Cube. 
right? You need to actually know how to do it. You need to physically interact with a Rubik's Cube. You need to know the pattern, and then you need to practice it and work on it and try it. In fact, after the first service, somebody said, I used to be able to do it, but I don't know how to anymore. Why? Because I haven't been working on it. I haven't been practicing it. So we both need to know that Jesus is the hope of the resurrection, but we need to also experience it for ourselves. And so there's a famous painting by Caravaggio that's of this meal at at Emmaus. And as they're sitting there, they don't recognize Jesus. They're looking right at him. And Jesus does what? He breaks the bread and he hands it to him. And they're like, Jesus, he's revealed in this ordinary practice around the table that they had shared with him before. He's revealed as they live out relationship with him as they put it into practice. Jesus reveals himself in scripture and then he reveals himself in relationship. So what you need to know about the gospel of Luke is a major theme in the gospel of Luke is knowing Jesus. And there is a difference between seeing and knowing. In fact, Jesus himself says that you can study the Bible your whole life and still miss him. In John chapter five, he told people this, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. And these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, we don't need to just know about Jesus, even though it's important. We don't need to just know what Jesus has done for us, even though it's important. We need to know Jesus. We need to practice and live out a relationship with him. And in our story, what it takes for Jesus to be truly revealed in their daily lives is for sharing a meal with him, to engage with him, to practice having a relationship with him. And he gives us scripture, but he also gives us the church. He gives us his fellow Believers, our fellow believers, he gives us his body to celebrate and to practice resurrection with, that we live out our relationship with Jesus together in prayer and in worship, in word and shared meals, in hospitality, in communion, in serving. We practice our relationship with Jesus together. His resurrection is revealed in our midst. In fact, I love uh, theologian Jamie Smith says, a reordering of creation a reordering of creation, creation put back together, has already broken into creation in the person of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the resurrection. And we are gathering as a people, he's talking about the church, in order to practice for the arrival of the kingdom in its fullness, and thus in order to be trained to be a kingdom kind of people in the meantime, as witnesses to that kingdom in and through our work as as cultural agents, as agents of change. If we want to see the resurrection put our lives back together, it's revealed in how we practice our faith together as the body of Christ. Got a Rubik's Cube done? No, not yet? Good enough, good enough. Guys, give him a hand, give him a hand. Uh, You know, you could give me the rest of my life. The world record is four seconds, by the way. Four seconds. One-handed is six seconds. Four seconds. You could give me the rest of my life, and it would be hopeless. I would never solve this thing. 
And I think in our world, in our lives sometimes, it feels utterly hopeless. Like there's brokenness and that brokenness will never get dealt with. That the world will never get rearranged. That things will never be put right. But just a week ago, we celebrated that there is the power for transformation. That some things will change and that our lives can change as we walk in the power of the resurrection, as we walk in the power of the one who overcame sin and death, as we participate in his life, as he's revealed to us in his word and in the fellowship of the church, as we practice our faith together. Resurrection has the power to disrupt our lives and the power to put it back together. Pastor Jamie, uh, Pastor Mark Sayers, sorry, Pastor Mark Sayers says that continuing the same things that are not bringing renewal is not going to bring renewal. Doesn't that sound familiar? Lack of commitment is not going to bring renewal. Business as usual will not bring renewal. Accumulating knowledge without putting it into practice will not bring renewal. We need our autopilot patterns interrupted. If we want something new, if we want renewal, if we want transformed lives in a transformed world, it takes the power of the resurrected Christ. It takes his power in our lives. Only Christ has the power to put our lives back together. But if you're sitting here thinking, I still don't know. I still don't see it. I still can't tell what it'll mean for my life. You're not alone. In fact, Jesus shows up to these two on the road to Emmaus and reveals himself. And it's still incredibly unclear what the resurrection will mean in their lives, what the resurrection will mean for the world. It's unclear. But what is clear is that they don't have to put their lives back together. And that's good news. They do not have to put their lives back together. Jesus is the one who puts their lives back together. He is the risen Christ. What he's done for us has the power to change our lives and to change the world. Let's dig in. Let's say yes. Let's give our lives to him. Amen.